seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Um, we've already spoken about Suspiria, if I'm being honest. We definitely talked about it quite a lot when we spoke about Inferno, which was kind of a... Well, it's the second one in Argento's um, Free Mothers trilogy. Inferno was not a success, whereas Suspiria was, uh, and indeed was kind of like the catalyst for this. I suppose, you know, if we were to do like the, the narrative around, um, you know, Argento's career we probably would have started with this film. Well, I'll start with this film because, you know, um, Profundo Russo is on the list as well with Deep Red. So what we'd probably do, but nonetheless, I think there's definitely an argument for making a different list, you know, like if you're going to kind of go into, if this was the Dario Gento podcast, the, 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 the film picked would not be Inferno and then Suspiria in that order. That would be just ridiculous. Um, however, you know, I think it is fair to say, though, that, you know, this podcast is always really focused on the 72 and this additional section three listing is kind of like the other stuff, isn't it? Stuff, you know, interesting films that were out at the time, that kind of thing as well. And uh, there's plenty of hidden gems in here, as we've, as we've discussed, and I'm coming to the end of our journey. Another reason why you'd probably go with Suspiria first is it, even though, um, at this point, Argento is well established, you know. Bird of a Crystal Plumage, the the Animal Trilogy, uh, you know, set him up as being a, a severe heavy player in Italian cinema, Italian horror genre cinema. Um, Profundo Russo had had breakthrough success. Suspiria isn't a giallo. It's something else. It's a supernatural horror film about a young woman who ends up going to a a school which seemingly is powered by witches. Roses are red, violets are blue But the iris is the flower that will mean the end You can hide from Suspiria. Suspiria. But you cannot escape Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92.
1977, Italian. It's directed by Dario Argento and co-written by a screenplay with Dario Nicolodi. Now, uh, Dario, uh, they, they, they fall out during this, and I think I mentioned it in Inferno that, you know, Nicolodi was, was displeased with how, um, how she was kind of sidelined away from the um the filmmaking itself right so like it's like daddy was very keen to make out like it's completely his story and <laughs> from 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 Nickelodeon's point of view and uh, and that ain't great there is um suggestion that the film was based on um the prose poems of thomas de quincey who uh, uh many young men would have read his um confessions of an opium eater when they were growing up uh, certainly i did and it was indeed a, uh, a collection of stories uh, and um, essays in the prose poems, which looks at how memory is in, being influenced by the use of hallucinogenic drugs, which is something that De Quincey was very keen on at the time. Anyway, the story's about like Jessica Harper, the actress who um, appeared in... Uh, Brian De Palma's Phantom of Paradise, which was, was where she was kind of spotted from Argento, who kind of turns around and says, you know, um, we, can you, can you fake being a ballet dancer? She says, yes, she is in. So she's an American ballet student, transfers to this dance academy in Germany, but there is murders galore going on. Very brutal, very violent, vicious murders. And she kind of gets sucked into it and tries to find out what's going on. So, as we say, um, the film is uh, the first and the opener of what would become known as Argento's Free Mothers trilogy, Inferno being the second one, and Mother of Tears from 2007. I know Mother of Tears has had a bit of a reassessment recently, but uh, certainly Suspiria is the most strong visually of the films. And the reason for that, and also audibly, 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 orally as well, um, hourly. <laughs> it's also um, certainly the most distinctive hourly as well. Why is that? Well, one is the, the use of color in the in in the shots and how the set design has been done, and we'll get on to that in a minute. But also, um, it has an incredible uh, soundtrack and score from Goblin as well when they were still Goblin proper together. So apparently, um, yeah. So the story was based in part on Suspiria, the uh, Suspiria de Profundus. Uh, which is De Quincey's uh, essays from 1845. So, um, and Argento takes the idea of these these mothers, these free mothers that are in the book, um, as um, temples that are kind of like centralized points that kind of leak out and cause evil or mayhem or power over the places they are. So, you know, we have the uh, the apartment block in um, in Inferno. And in Suspiria, we have um, this this school as well. Argento also says, like, he kind of gets into this from, like, the concept of the magic triangle. So it's a point where the countries of France, Germany, and Switzerland meet. This is an area where Rudolf Steiner, who was a, a cultist and social reformer, an Australian philosopher, um, kind of got into the idea of uh, witchcraft and the occult and the impact it would have on the area. So... From this idea and the idea that there are three graces or fates or, or, or centralized points of sorrow, mother of tears, mother of sighs, and our lady of darkness. Um, 
Argento builds out these the, these three films, but really, let's not fuck about it. You know, Suspiria is very much an outlier at this time. So apparently, Dario Nicolodi helps Argento write the screenplay for the film. Takes these occult ideas and kind of weaves in fairy tales from her childhood. She has this this concept that her grandmother would apparently tell the stories about going to a, going to piano lessons at an academy where there was an element of black magic within the the, the, the teaching space, and it prom- prom- prompted her to to be fearful and to run through these different ideas and concepts. Argento and Nicolodi create this centralised point of a, a dance academy near the German borders between Switzerland and France, this kind of magic triangle area that everyone feels a bit off and a bit occultish. And a concern that it's finale, uh, Nicolodi told about her anxieties from a dream she'd had when she was staying in Los Angeles. Apparently, the original idea was they, they were going to be kids, like really young kids at the school. But um, there was a general uh, balking at the idea from the producers. And the idea was then moved to the concept of being teenagers or in their early 20s. You know, the, 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 the school isn't like a, a Hogwarts for witchcraft. More, it's a um, like a boarding school. And that adds, you know, certain different tones and, and notes to the play. And, but, you know... Um, it would be a very different film if everyone was eight, wouldn't they? You know. Um, but there's a to kind of, and th- when you look at the, the 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 building and how it's built, everything's so grand and cathedral on these sets to kind of make the actors look small, and that's part of that 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 kind of storytelling as well. That the rather than having children, they just kind of reduce the size and cre- increase the vulnerability of its female cast. Indeed, when we see plenty of our introduction to some of our actors later on, you know, or, or indeed introductionary, they, they tend to be on stairs, looming over our cast. They, they are notably bigger and more, more formidable, particularly ones that uh, have a slightly uh, witchy sense about them, I suppose. Jessica Harper apparently turned down a role at Annie Hall to appear in this film. Good work. <laughs> I mean, now you look back and you're like, of course, it's absolutely the right decision. <laughs> what the hell? a fucking creep. But, you know. Um, and, of course, we see again in this film, uh, video nasty regular Udo Kia, who appears in, in, in a few of these films, including um, Flash for Frankenstein and also um, Expose, who appears kind of in the... To be honest, yeah, smaller role, but gives it the big eyes and the, the stares and all that. Um, so even though, obviously, unsurprisingly, because the sets are amazing, um, they were actually created on sound stages in Rome. And indeed, the um, the building, the exterior shot is on a stage, and you can probably tell from when you look at it, to be fair, it's just also dreamlike and, and all the light and stuff. And that's created from a building called the Whale House in uh, Freiburg. But beyond just the sets as well, um, the work of Luciano Tavoli um, as a cinematographer is highlighted. So they, you know, it, it's very much around the um, the work 
uh, you know, using colour and vibrancy and, and slightly surreal and uh, hard to grasp edges as well. Um, you know, primary colour being right at the forefront um, through both production design and through cinematography using the um, technical prints um, as well to kind of bring that out. It's said from, certainly from Tavoli that, well, uh, and Argento as well, that the idea was to kind of give it a colour palette that's similar to Snow White. So it has a, kind of a, a cutout, almost cartoonish point. This is the colour process that was, and it was used in Ambition Process, which is used in films like Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind and the kind of latent 30s thing. And that sits as well with Snow White. So it kind of adds to that kind of storytelling and it kind of grounds it within the world of grounds it within the world of you know that that kind of late 30s uh, golden age kind of cinema kind of stuff but rather than it being warm and in a kind of cuddly way with a similar kind of style to those kind of films that you know people feel comfortable around Wizards of Oz don't they the the contrast change and the, the brightness makes you feel uncomfortable and indeed it was the final feature film to be processed in Technicolor using the last remaining machine that was in Rome so quite a send off for that I'm sure you can agree so it is filmed in the same way actually the Profundo Rosso is that um, and, and Inferno that everyone's speaking their own languages so some people are speaking in German Certainly Bennett spoke in English, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of other characters are play, speaking in, in Italian as well. So um, this, I think there's a lot of, rec- like, it's a good dub, right? It's, you know, it's fairly standard for Italian films and, you know, it adds, it, you can kind of say it adds something or it, it doesn't. <laughs> People are very funny about the dub and it's not like in, um, so like, Kind of what it kind of makes is there isn't a right way, right? So like, um, oh, this week everyone's talking about fucking Squid Game, right? And like, um, I think that I might be wrong, but Netflix tends to default to your native language if it's if there's a dub option. So like, loads of people watch the Squid Game in like dubbed English. Like it's a fucking Shaw Brothers film. Like don't do that. <laughs> Just don't fucking do that. Um, and like, but there isn't like a, you know, a solution to that. So we did a screening of Inferno. Oh, fucking like, must be three or four years ago now. And, um, a little small cinema. And like, we went for the English option. Cause, you know, it, it, it's not wrong. You know, like the main character speaking English in the film, you know, there's no like right solution. And that's very true for Suspiria as well. So, I mean, if you want to listen to the Italian version, you know, with, with, with dub or without if you speak Italian, you know, that's, that's equally as right as watching it in English, I would argue. Both films and versions obviously definitely contain this incredible score from Goblin. Goblin had already scored Deep Red. And after this, various members of the team, after they'd broken up, kind of scored bits and bob of, you know, various elements of, of other films as well. Indeed, they were on Dawn of the Dead. And the soundtrack was actually recorded and created before the film was shot as well. So it's, um, which is interesting, I think, in itself, particularly when you come into the, you know, it's not uncommon, you know, for music to be used to, to set mood and stuff like that rather than the other way around from soundtracks. But I think what is interesting is how well it suits that opening 
shot when she's going in the taxi and she's arriving at the school. So when the film was released, it kind of got slightly mixed reviews. So like New York Times was a bit like, yeah, it's it's quite violent. Um, and like um, LA Times turned around and said it was badly dubbed. <laughs> um, and like the San Francisco Examiner said, like, you know, it was gory, basically. And the film is gory. There's like a number of set pieces which are very violent. It's really a little bit later on when we kind of like with the when we revisit the film that, that that how good it is has kind of come to the fore and indeed the film does comfortably fit on numerous not just best horror film lists but best world cinema film lists as well which is something that you don't see a lot of for horror movies and of course you know um, its popularity and it was popular both in Italy and America does kind of lead on to sequels. Um, and, well, pseudo-sequels, I suppose. Different films in the Three Mothers trilogy, which kind of uses the core function of these pits or these elements of influence from this witchcraft that kind of bleed into other people's lives and, and make things, you know, kind of rot in the soil, almost. In New York, certainly with Inferno, as we've spoken about before, and then moving forwards as well with uh, Mother of Tears in Rome. And then in the end, there was a remake in 2018, which uh, probably wisely uh, eschews the, um, the the colour palette and the, the design of the original and tries to go something far more European, Germanic in its filmmaking, I suppose. And I know it's a, it, it is an Italian film, but you know the original is an Italian film, but kind of more you know this for me the Suspiria remake fits far more comfortably next to Possession which we've spoken about rather than Suspiria it's an odd remake um, I know it's got its fans I'm really not one of them but you know that's cool so the film was uh, released in cinemas in the UK cut by uh, 1 minute 13 seconds in 77 uh, and those cuts were to the the ta- the dog attack and the throat being cut in the room of wires as well. The 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 the, the dog attack gets the lion's share of the cuts, right? Then for me and our EMI, um don't release Burn and Fawn obviously released um the burning and got the right wipes on it. You don't release the uncut version on VHS. They can add well, they replace it, shall we say, with the cinema version. And it never really gets picked up as a nasty, but it does get seized, as we've already discussed. Um, the um, VHS in 1990, the EIV, Entertainment and Video Release, um, is uh, similar cuts, but also includes uh, a trim to... Uh, also has a trim uh, to the um, knife getting plunged into the chest. Um, if you want, and, now, and it's, you know, it's had to DVD, a couple of DVD releases. There's an Anchor Bay release, which was quite nice, uh, which I had back in the day, um, which I came with like cards and stuff like that. It was as good as it could be. Um, at that point, there is, uh, nowadays, there's been a 4K scan. It's released on Synapse in the US and Cult Films in the UK. And it is looking nice. It's as nice as it can be. It's, it's, it's uncut, complete. 
Um, and, uh, you know, of, of, of lots of films like this, you want it to look as good as it can be. And in this case, it, it, it is as good as it can be. So if for some bizarre reason you haven't got around to watching Suspiria, go and watch Suspiria. It's great. terrorizzato intere generazioni è stato il vostro incubo peggiore il capolavoro di Dario Argento Suspiria thanks very much for everyone who um, contacted us Including Jeff Woodbridge, who uh, and and um, films on wax, and uh, Stuart Wright, Leighton Rocks, and um, Gore Blimey, and Andy Roberts, who all kind of popped in onto the Twitter and gave their opinions on um, Zombie Lake or Zombies Lake, depending on how you want it, how which version you watch it. Um, Generally very positive, um, which is great. I think um, a lot of people have a, a soft spot for the film, which I totally get. I, I totally get, and I totally understand. And I'm sort of in agreement about um, it's uh, Zombie Lake has its has its um, has a very particular and very slow moving style, which is surprisingly um, gets gets into your skin, gets under your skin. Anyway. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonassispodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at Andrew Skull Monkey, or you can go to the website, videonassispodcast.com or historyofhorrorpodcast.com. No, you can't. videonassispodcast.com and thelasthorrorpodcast.com, and you can leave any message on any of those. Yeah. Next week, the last film we'll be discussing is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You may have heard of it. It's quite popular, I've heard. So, until then... Take care, and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.